This is the Used Car Dealer Podcast with your hosts, Zach Klempf and Steve McClory. You're listening to the Used Car Dealer Podcast, episode number nine. And I have a really special guest today, Andrew Gordon, who's the founder of Dealer Science, an automotive software company and digital retail product that was acquired by TrueCar in December 2018. And Andrew is a really interesting guy. He has a background by trade as an engineer, and he also worked at his family's dealership where he found the idea that led to dealer science. And Andrew, for those of us who are listening, tell us a little bit about your background and how dealer science came to be. Absolutely. Um, first of all, thanks for having me here. It's great to be here, and it's a pleasure to be on the show. Um, so my background is a mechanical computer science engineer, uh, engineering. I got started as a calibration engineer at Celine, a high-performance car company based out of Southern California. And when I got involved in the family dealership, I realized that uh, the technology was um, antiquated, to say the least. Um, my day turned into desking deals and typing residuals and money factors into, <laughs> you know, older computers and screens. Um, and it didn't seem like the best use of time, especially coming from, you know, an engineering cars job where everything was automated and using high tech software. Um, so naturally we started automating different parts of our job to try to make it more efficient. Um, and we, uh, we analyzed some of the website and how we were marketing to customers. And we tried to um, think about how we automate things either in our dealership or digital retail providers did at the time. So those were the, the, um, the impetus for dealer science. That's where it came from. Um, so uh, as dealer science grew from there, uh, our first year of adding these tools to the Weymouth Honda sites and this process, we had a 117% increase in new car sales. Wow. So from that, yeah, it was kind of, a, it was a crazy year. Um, that first year we were already in cars at 10 PM on New Year's Eve before <laughs> we left to go home. Like it was, it was absolutely crazy. But you can imagine that it was a lot. Um, everything that we did, we didn't add any sales staff. We just made the sales staff more efficient. And a lot of what we did on the website was just trying to look at things instead of through an automotive lens of how has it always been done. We try to look at it and say, um, how do other industries do this? Or how do we do this inside our showroom um, when we're with customers? So a good example of that is um, customer shows up and says, I'm looking for a new car. When they're in our showroom, do we show them a list of all of our new cars? Or do we ask them great. Why are you looking for a new car? Like what, right. what is it that you're looking for? How can I help? Um, and it's so simple, but if you, if that's how we treat them in our showroom, then on our website, why do we show them a list of every single car that we have whenever they click on our cars? Um, it's this, it's this, uh, these really small details that actually change how people shop. Um, so when you think about something like Amazon as a digital retailer, right? Mm -hmm. um, when, you, when you go there and you start searching for whatever you're looking for, they don't necessarily show you just a list of everything. There's more of a curated approach where they're giving you guides of 
Amazon's choice or here's why you'd buy this or, you know, star ratings, things that help you with your purchase, not just a list of everything in their warehouse, alphabetically listed. So this is where um, dealer science came from, was trying to solve some of these things and also try to automate what we did in the showroom. So with that, we, um, we built tools um, for our sales manager. I mentioned that we were typing in the residuals and money factors and APRs and sale prices. And, and it's a lot of duplicate data entry where you can really easily make a mistake. Um, what we did was we tried to automate this as much as possible so that our sales managers could have the easiest time. So what we did, uh, it was actually, we first built a, a website calculator that was a, a lease calculator that was in 2010. Mm-hmm. And we built it so that, um, so that anyone could calculate a lease. But on a busy Saturday, we walked up behind one of our sales managers and he was using our website lease calculator instead of our desktop tool. So when we, the, the first reaction was to get a little frustrated and say, why aren't you using this tool that we pay for? But then we realized <laughs> that the reason why, right, right. I mean, we pay a lot of right. money for a desking tool. Like, why wouldn't you be using it? And then as soon as we like, we stepped back, he said, look, I, had a, I have a packed showroom. It's simple, it's fast, and it's accurate. Like, and we realized that like, that was the problem. We had these tools that could be perfect um, in terms of like what the actual payment was, but the customer just needed to know if it was like, you know, 150 a month or 250 a month. Like it needed more accuracy than obviously $100 a month, but like that's what we needed to get to that point. And when he had a line that was like three or four deep at his desk, he needed to get through those quickly so he could get to the next thing. So we built in a set of management tools that allowed our managers to go faster. And we realized that half of what they were doing were answering questions for our BDC agents. So we simplified that and actually made a set of tools that allowed our BDC agents to be able to answer questions without having to get up every time, go to the sales desk, right. come back. So really straightforward, but the amount of time we saved with the BDC, with freeing up managers' time from answering questions so they could self-serve and getting up to go answer really basic common questions. Um, the efficiency of the dealership went through the roof, and that's really that's really where we created dealer science. And at what point did you notice, hey, this is a great internal tool, but let's sell this to other dealerships. There might be a company here. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, that was actually something we, we realized when dealers came up to us afterwards and said, um, we've noticed what you've been doing. Um, we noticed what's happening on the site. Um, and we're interested in either using some of these tools or using um, some of the website widgets um, on our experience. Um, and that's actually where we had some of our best partners were developed. People like the Shomps and the, uh, the Walzers that we were able to partner with. They helped us build and grow our tools through different avenues. Um, and they, they provided the feedback that really made it from a one store set of tools to something that was, would appeal to a broader audience. And what were some of your, you know, early hurdles in getting the earlier versions of dealer science products out to different dealerships? I'm sure, you know, your store runs one way. What was some of the early feedback or iterations you discovered with those first couple customers? Yeah, great question. Um, so the first thing that we realized were that um, each store's process is about 80% the same 
but 10% a little bit different and 10% wildly different. And mm -hmm. as we built the tools, we said, wait a sec, maybe we can get them to like align on this 80 to 90% that was the same and they won't worry about the last 10%. But without that last 10%, we couldn't actually get people to use it. They'd say, well, this can only do part of what I need to do. I need it to do everything I need to do for it to make it easier. So we really had to um, capture all those bits of the process to make it really just an entire process could be done inside our tool. The second thing is we learned that the differences between, um, between brand and region were significant. Mm. Um, so things like moving from Honda to Toyota or Honda um, or Mercedes to BMW, all of a sudden you start realizing that these different brands were, um, they were just about different things. So the luxury brands, uh, loaner cars is a big part of their business. And being able to calculate that was a really right. important thing. With um, when you move from Honda to Toyota, at certain points, certified used car leasing would be an important piece or incorporating other lenders because um, third party lenders are much more affordable when it comes to uh, leasing some of the trucks. Like those could be some of the nuances that made it so that a tool was valuable, whereas, whereas it wasn't before. Interesting. And you started in 2011. What was the first year you'd say you had a complete digital retail product as, you know, we think of digital retail today? And then the second part of that question is, how do you define digital retail? Because there are a lot of different examples and explanations of what digital retail is from the automotive standpoint. Great, great question. Um, the I think that the uh, we probably had the a digital retail suite in I'd say um, fourteen or fifteen, and that's when we went beyond calculators and started tying things together. Um, I believe it was in fifteen or sixteen we we turned the um, we added the term seamless retail to our products, and we called it seamless retail because it seamlessly mm. connected what someone did on the website to the showroom, um, which is a Really, what when we think about digital retail, I think that's how um, modern digital retail is set up. Now, obviously, that changes a little bit with current times, just with coronavirus and mm -hmm. everything related um, to that. But um, connecting the experience that someone has online and in store, I think, is is paramount to digital retail. We think about um, we always try to. I think I mentioned this, but. Um, try to go back to like, what do people experience in the store? Or what do people experience in other non-automotive digital retail companies? And you'd never right. expect your experience on bestbuy.com to be drastically different than entering a Best Buy store. You wouldn't expect, um, you know, what you did in one place to be different than the other and vice versa, right? If you're expecting, if you check out online, you come in and someone says, what are you looking for? How can I help you? Or, you know, it just wouldn't make any sense. So really creating a tie between those two is, I think, the next the next step and how digital retail will evolve and evolve in car dealerships. I remember when I was working in the business back in 2010, there were dealers more than usual. They were highline dealers that sold cars online. Why do you think it took so long for the auto industry to kind of adapt to digital retail? 
Yeah. Um, great question. The, uh, the, um, I think automotive digital retail is different than any other. The way that we do it now is different than the mm -hmm. way that anyone else in the industry does it. So a really simple and straightforward question is, um, like in, in automotive, when, you know, someone's looking for a new car, we click on their new car list and they see a list of every single VIN that we have in stock. Name any other industry that you can think of where we, where you buy something new by serial number or by VIN. Not by model or style, but by VIN or serial number. You're right. Like it doesn't exist. Um, and when we look at these things, um, we're surprised that for some reason automotive isn't as productive in terms of digital retailing as some of the other industries. I think they've evolved past the point that we are. Um, so another great um, reason why I think um, there's so much trouble is um, like, what's a, a brand that you're not familiar with? Like just for discussion point, like Chrysler to me is, is a, a mm -hmm. fairly foreign brand. Is that line up with you too? Yeah. Definitely. I was going to yeah. say Alfa Romeo, but <laughs> technically. Yeah. So great. Yeah. So Alfa Romeo. So name, name a, a two models of Alfa Romeo. Right. Like <laughs> it might be hard. Like let's do, if we look at the Alfa Romeo, um, I think it's a four C, right? The, um, the, like, let's, what are the differences between the different trims? Right. I think, I don't even know. I couldn't name what the different trims are, right? If we exactly. were sitting there talking about, right? It's like, so there's a, there's a spider. Is there another? I don't. I don't even know if there's another one. Like, what's the difference between a um, BMW 328 and a 335? I know there's yeah. an engine. What's the other differences, right? Huh. And all of a sudden, as you go to um, the Corolla LE versus an SE, what are the differences between those two? But if we look at an automotive dealer website, we'll see those two listed next to each other. They could have a $5,000 difference in MSRP, and it's not totally clear what's different on the two cars. Right? Very so if true. we go to Apple's website and we look at something like, a, you know, newest iPhone, and we're looking at three different, um, you know, two different levels of it, right? The, um, the 11 and the Max, right? Um, they would clearly lay out, here's the difference in screen size, here's the same processor, everything like that. I think that's the main difference in digital retail as to why it's so much easier in other other verticals than it is in automotive. They make the differences so much clearer and make it so much easier on their online experiences to differentiate between the products that you would buy and then make the decisions you need in order to actually purchase it. That makes a lot of sense. So, Andrew, what are some of the misconceptions you've heard from dealers who were reluctant to implement a digital retail product? Yeah, um, I think um, most of the um, most of the concerns are around um, transparency and around putting everything out there so that customers can see it mm. um, online without having to inquire because leads is such an important part of the business in automotive. Um, the, the way that we always um, discuss that with dealers was um, like customers, once they submit a lead, can actually get most of that information because we'll give it to them. 
Um, so making something like that easier and making a shopping experience easier and helping customers understand without them having to do work, what makes you different while they're in your shopping experience, that's always a huge differentiator. Um, whenever we do mystery shops, we'd get, you know, if you shop three dealers within <laughs> two hours, you'd have 20 different emails, right? And like the, it'd be hard to remember who you mystery shopped, what you were shopping about, um, like the differences between them um, and half the emails wouldn't even provide value in the experience. So by providing that information up front when it's top of mind and people are searching, I think is, is incredibly important for, um, to keep the flow of digital retail going. So what's the onboarding process like for a digital retail platform for a dealer who's never had one of these products before? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it starts with understanding why the dealer is looking for it in the first place, because um, anyone can, um, there's a ton of solutions out there, but just like understanding why someone's upgrading their car, um, you'd be, looking to understand why someone's upgrading to digital retailing or a different products. What problem are we solving? Um, and that's really where the install can change based on um, how the store is set up, where the bottlenecks are in that store and what the store is looking to accomplish. At the end of the day, the sales managers have historically, and I think always will control the sales floor and the sales process inside the store. So it's important to make sure that they don't lose control while they're automating different parts of their process, right? If you're letting a BDC agent quote a payment, you want to make sure that that's the payment that a sales manager wants them quoting, right? <laughs> right. And that they have their, I mean, it sounds straightforward and obvious, yeah. right? But, but without that, all of a sudden, um, you lose that ability to keep control in your, in your showroom and your process and things can break down pretty quickly. So, Andrew, with COVID-19, you know, taking mindshare of a lot of dealers and dealers just implementing a digital retail product because of COVID-19, how do you see this playing out after, let's say, some of the COVID-19 stay-at-home restrictions die down and people are going back into dealerships like do you see a lot of these digital retail tools still sticking do you think that some dealerships may have signed up as a temporary product during COVID-19 what's your perspective yeah great question um I think that both um will happen I think people um I think a lot of people will adopt tools and actually stick with the tools that they adopt. But I think they'll recognize that there's, um, that what was a stopgap during COVID-19 um, needs to be uh, modified or changed slightly as it becomes a broader part of their process. So uh, uh, an example of that might be, um, someone might add a buy now button on their mm-hmm. website. and when you didn't have an in-store process or leads and a BDC that was able to handle that as well in a connected environment, um, by now was a great option to add. Um, as soon as we have um, stores that are filling in that gap, you'd also want something that's a little bit less committal. So someone could ask a question or do their old process too, right? So bringing um, different levels on based on the support that we have inside the store 
makes sense. Um, some other examples are uh, right now it's really exciting to be able to actually sell cars just because so many people have been restricted. But eventually uh, the competition will be there again where it's important to differentiate yourself. But if you have a return policy, if you have a, um, if you allow for people to test drive from home, um, some of these things are a little bit um, more commonplace now, but even things like free oil changes and things that might seem like they're a little bit more um, gimmicky, those are, those are free value that you're providing with a car. So mm. really breaking down what are those things that seem like everyday common things to you at your store, but are differentiators that people don't know about when they're shopping. If you pick people up for service and bring those cars in, that might make someone more likely to buy a car from you because it, it says something about how you do business. So right. bringing some of those values onto the VDPs and SRPs. So what suggestions do you have for dealers just implementing a digital retail product? Because I know it's a lot more beyond just pasting the script on your dealer website. You know, there's changing your marketing message, for instance, to let a customer know that you now offer this, you know, buy online button or buy now button. What are your thoughts in that regard? So um, when you're, when you're changing the um, changing the website, I think that it's um, it's actually bringing your uh, um, bringing everything that a customer would be looking for on your website online. So trying to understand, take someone who's not in your dealership and not mm-hmm. in your um, in the automotive world, let them use your website and try to figure out what information they're looking for and try to give that to them. Right. And this can be incredibly straightforward stuff like like payments or obvious stuff like a scheduler or the ability to make an appointment. But maybe it's maybe it's the comparison between models is the information they're looking for that they can't find on your site. Right. It's it's that direct feedback of how do I get people to how do I watch people using my site to understand what's not there or what information they can't find. Um, one of the best examples that I've seen is is Carvana for some of these things. Like if you check out their site and their right. GDPs and their SRPs, they check out. Um, there's an entire section devoted to um, the history of the car. To another section on what they've done to um, what they've done to recon this car. They have another section devoted to the damage that's on the car with close-up inspection of every bit of damage that's on the car and then another section on their warranty and everything that's included with it. Um, so when you step back as a consumer, you realize mm-hmm. that that's where a lot of the questions come from when people are saying, asking BDC or asking people, can you check out the car? Tell me if there's anything wrong with it or what have you done to it, right? Um, what will it need in the next year? So by answering those questions up front, I think people trust a lot more that um, that it's done. They're not expecting surprises. And that's that's really what digital retail is about. Well said. So, Andrew, what are some of your future predictions? This is a two-part question. One, for digital retail products. And number two, for the auto industry as a whole. Yeah, so I think that um, digital retail products um, in general will be moving towards um, this is going to sound like an obvious statement, but we'll be moving towards um, automating some of the more difficult 
tasks, more difficult, tedious tasks, and connecting different systems that don't work. Hmm. Because I think the real value that people provide to this business is relationships and advice and assistance. Um, I think that any time spent in front of a computer or answering a really basic question like, um, does this car have a scratch or do you have this color in stock or um, can you calculate this payment for me? Those are the things that cost a lot of, um, of time and effort. Um, it's just manpower. And those are the things that I think digital retail software can draw down so people can get those questions themselves. Um, a good friend said something like, um, it, this was actually a great, I, I love this, um, this whole thought process, but what they, they basically said that in digital retail, in other verticals like Amazon or Target or Best Buy or any of those, um, they monitor the site. And if you, um, to try to make sure you can do everything. And if anyone needs to go to contact us and ask a question, that's a serious breakdown in their digital retailing capabilities and ability to, um, to use the site as designed. In the right. dealership world, we actually call those leads. Right? <laughs> and we use that as a measure of success of how well our website's doing. Um, so the entire digital retail world uses leads to measure um, a, a digital retail breakdown, and we use it to measure success. Um, so like a great way to look at like how digital retail will evolve is anytime a lead comes in where someone has to actually ask a question, not set an appointment, not buy a car, not any of those things, but ask a question before they transact. That's an opportunity to put that information out there so a customer can self-service themselves um, to answer those questions, right? And the closer we get to that point, the more that our actual interactions with people will actually be taking their orders or scheduling an appointment or those other pieces that that hopefully are, are the things that add value to the relationship, not just table stakes of answering questions. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate your time today and you coming on the used car dealer podcast. It's been really interesting to hear your perspective on digital retail, as well as your journey as an entrepreneur. And thanks so much again for coming on this episode of the used car dealer podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It was a, it was a treat. 